Welcome to Seize the Day, a podcast exploring all of the tools that we can use on a daily basis to seize opportunities. I am Natalie Millisnell. Join me as I talk through different topics to help us seize those opportunities. Or I might be joined by guests who offer incredible advice and tips to help you walk through life. Coming up. Kind of broke a few bones, like my shoulder. I hit my head, which was a real, real worry at the time. And I also uh, kind of broke my back. So I, I got a spinal cord injury. And then towards the end, there was the, the British team, the British paraski team were out there and the head coach was there training some of their kind of top athletes. And he, we were all kind of training together and he saw me going down a hill and um, I was going fast, <laughs> uh, probably not particularly stylish, but he could see that I was, you know, I was, I was going fast and, you know, clearly, clearly gunning for it. So um, he said, yeah, come, come train with us back in Europe. And now onto the show. Hello, everyone. In today's show, I am joined by an absolutely incredible human. She is a GB Paralympic ski athlete, an avid wakeboarder and water skier competing internationally. She's traveled extensively throughout the world and is a self-proclaimed adrenaline junkie. And she's also host of the wonderful podcast, A Life Less Ordinary. She's basically an absolute legend. Please put your hands together for the incredible Sophie Elwes. <laughs> Applause. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> you flatter you? me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm better for hearing that, definitely. <laughs> Got a bit of a boost now. Good, good, good. We'll see your smile. But you really are. I mean, you're absolutely amazing. Now, we, I mean, I'm so grateful you're on the show because we've been talking about doing this for ages, I think. And, you know, there's been a little pandemic going on and whatnot. But we met online through LinkedIn, wasn't it? Mm. Was it uh, someone posted something about podcasts? And I saw yours and I was like, oh my life, that's amazing. Let's do coffee. <laughs> so we did. Yeah, <laughs> and that was so here. great. Like I think podcasting can be quite a sort of an isolating activity in a way. I certainly yeah. found when I started mine up, it was like in lockdown and you do feel a bit alone with it kind of thing. Obviously, you know, you get feedback and stuff like that, but I really wanted to kind of connect with other people. So it was so nice when you got in touch and, you know, it's kind of first proper conversation with another podcaster that wasn't like a podcast interview. Yeah, to chat about how do you do this? What are you doing? How does that work for you and whatnot? And we will come on to a life less ordinary because it is stunning it's beautiful I, I love what you've done with it it's really quite remarkable um but for folk you know listening in who are for perhaps new to you and want to know a little bit about context and your backstory tell us a little bit about who you are um because I mentioned already about being a, a Paralympic uh, ski athlete and whatnot so that there's a the spinal cord oh okay you know no, what you nodded your head there no one will see that what oh well no it did I'll I'll uh kind You'll of clarify by that in a moment okay yeah but yeah, yeah. let's talk about the spinal cord um injury and whatnot yeah. and life before and a bit after if you don't mind sharing of course yeah yeah no problem yeah I guess kind of going back to to not quite the beginning but the beginning of a kind of a new chapter or a new part of my life story I guess I often refer to like before and after because it's such a huge thing to have happened to anyone um but basically when I was 22, I'd just graduated from uni. I was kind of, you know, hanging about in London, you know, working, 
social life was very important you know party girl all of that stuff um and uh and yeah I was basically at a, a party and I was sitting on the edge of a roof terrace um and I completely lost my balance and I fell uh like eight meters it's like two and a half stories so pretty high um I don't remember any of it at all like from the kind of day before which is due to wow. shock apparently which is you know a real blessing because I think it could be pretty traumatic remembering that sort of thing but yeah so I I fell and I I kind of beat myself up pretty badly I um kind of broke a few bones like my shoulder I hit my head which was a real real worry at the time and I also uh, kind of broke my back so I, I got a spinal cord injury so yeah like I said at the time yeah I went into hospital and I was in an induced coma for like five and a half weeks. Um, but the thing that my kind of family and the doctors and everything were most concerned about was the head injury. You know, obviously falling from that sort of height and hitting your head, you know, they were worried that I was going to have like a traumatic brain injury and, you know, life could have turned out very, very differently. Um, so the spinal cord injury slightly took a backseat. I mean, obviously I had had kind of surgery and stuff and you know they were aware that it was unlikely I would ever walk again basically I had a complete injury there's a you know different sorts of injuries so you can have an incomplete injury a lot of people now I mean this was 10 years ago so actually now you know as kind of developments have happened and initial care and you know initial surgery and stuff has changed and developed a lot more people do get incomplete injuries so you'll come across people who yeah can like walk with sticks and, and walk unassisted and stuff there is you know often side effects that come with an injury you know things like you know your internal organs aren't working properly so bowels and bladder and stuff like that aren't uh, necessarily working as they should but you know they, they still experience you know pain and, and all of and, and everyone is different you know every injury is is very different really but for me back then um yeah it was a complete injury so completely right. paralyzed from the chest down basically Wow. So they, so, I mean, you're in hospital, you've been in an induced coma. They're focusing more on your head injury at this point rather than the actual spine injury, or well, I suppose both at the same time. But It was really that I was going to stay alive at that point, right. to be honest. I was in, in an induced coma um, and I got pneumonia um, and I was just in a really bad way. I was on a ventilator as well. I wasn't able to breathe by myself and and really you know the doctors gave my family they said you know 40% chance that she'll survive um so you know really my 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 family my mum and dad like just really really went through it and you know big waiting game I just uh, can't even imagine what it must have been like for them you know seeing me in ICU like that kind of yeah. all the all of the tubes and um but but I came around I um pulled through and yeah, so after five and a half weeks, I kind of yeah steadily came around. It wasn't a kind of, you know, like like it is in the movies, you know, waking up. Oh, you know, yeah. I can't I can't feel my legs kind of thing. I mean, I do have kind of vague recollections of of that, but it was more of a gradual process, really, which was a, a blessing, really. But you know, initially when I when I was coming around, there were so many people around. I mean, thank God it wasn't you know, at this time, you know, when people are injured now and have been in the yeah. last year or so, it's been really awful because, you know, family and friends can't go and visit them, you know, yeah. and you are just so isolated anyway. And that was the thing that kind of really carried me through in those early stages is 
so many friends, family, presents, all of this lovely stuff. And it was just a lovely distraction from actually what was really going on, you know. It's quite it's quite remarkable. I mean, and I've listened to a few of your um, interviews that you've had on other podcasts talking about your, your story and coming out. And as you mentioned, that it's kind of a gradual process and then you, you're learning to adapt to what is a new way of life for you. Um, and what I found quite remarkable is that you went through a grieving process. Mm-hmm. you know in terms of how you described it well I mean I don't think that was your words but how you just it sounded very much like a grieving process crying and whatnot just to was it almost like release it perhaps Oof, yeah I mean like for the first few months it was just crying 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 like it was just miserable and I remember like particularly after a couple of months I went to a spinal unit which is called step mandible which is kind of the UK's largest spinal injuries unit. And before that, it was, you know, you're very much on your own. And I just, I was desperate. I was just, you know, I just remember kind of being with my mom, I sitting in my bed and just crying until I didn't have any more tears. It was just, that was really, really awful. And, you know, I, I remember learning, having my first physio session when the physios showed me how I would kind of get out of the bed into the wheelchair. And they kind of explain that you'd lift yourself up using your hands, move yourself to the edge of the bed and then kind of transfer yourself over. And obviously, you know, two months in bed, I was really weak. I'd been really ill. I'd lost a lot of weight and everything like that. So I I was like, no way am I ever going to be able to do that. Like, I really remember this so clearly. Maybe other people do that. Maybe, you know, some strong Paralympic man can do that. But me, like, I just don't think this is something right. I can do. I remember that really well. Thank you. Yeah. It's just crazy now because just like I'm the sort of person, you know, as, as paraplegics go, as I much prefer to transfer. Like I went to the cinema yesterday and I prefer to like transfer to the seat just because it's more comfortable or whatever. So, yeah, it's weird actually like thinking about that now, kind of reflecting back what a huge deal that was. But now it's totally second nature. But it just shows it. it is, it takes a, time to get there time to get there an evolution and that's what struck me as being quite remarkable but not only that so you've 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 come through this situation it's a massive life-changing situation and your attitude is really quite remarkable so so then what did you go and do you studied a a pgse for teaching (laughs) just Mm. went straight into doing Mm. really incredible you know amazing things to I mean I I wrote down I think you said you I'm just going to get on with it Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been quite sort of um, determined, you know, and wanting to get on and and being 22, that was a huge advantage for me, you know, speaking to people, you know, a lot of people get injured when they're older, you know, especially now we have an aging population and, you know, people in their 60s are falling off ladders or, you know, they're, they're out riding bikes or they're doing all sorts of things. People are active at an older age. And injuries often happen to older people now interestingly it's a it's a change in demographic and you know if if you're 65 and you become completely paralyzed you just it's not as easy you you don't Mm. bounce back so easily some do granted but for me I've always felt very fortunate that I was that age you know I was just getting started in my life you know I was just 
starting on the career ladder and and I also feel fortunate that you know I'd, I'd been at uni I'd done lots of traveling before that I'd partied I'd got it out of my system you know like I'd done the raving and stuff so you know after that I didn't really need to kind of thing <laughs> and but yeah I was kind of young enough to like yeah to kind of start again but it was also it was very very difficult at that time because I you know I was you know, 22 living in London and, you know, I, I coming back to London was probably the hardest bit, really, you know, suddenly being a, a wheelchair user and, you know, London is... It's not accessible. It's not accessible. At it's all. really not. Yeah. yeah, like, especially sort of the older parts of it, I guess, you know, more centrally. And that's where I would go before, you know, go and go out or whatever, go to restaurants and stuff. And suddenly I'd go to places that I'd been to for years and I'd be like, okay, so I can't access this now, it's not possible. And I so wanted to, you know, have that old life, you know, mm. I was happy, like I had lots of friends, I was, you know, all of that stuff. I, I couldn't deal with the fact that I wasn't able to live that life anymore, you know, I had to, you know, it was a real realization that this was a new life, things I had to adapt. I didn't want to initially at all, but it was a real process. And it, you know, I've kind of realized that, I had to just actually change what I did, you know, what I was interested in, you know, and that's where sport kind of came to my rescue because it was something that I could do, you know, not because I was particularly talented at it, but it was, you know, disability sport. It like there's opportunities there. And um, and it's it's just all about what you can do rather than what you can't. So rather than like turning up at some restaurant or someone's house or whatever. And like initially I would go to like house parties and stuff like that. And they'd be up a couple of flights of stairs or whatever. And, you know, friends would be fine. They carry me up or whatever. But after a while, it's kind of like, you know mm. what, this is actually not. Yeah. So and, and doing sport is much more, you know just better for you in every Outside way as well know? absolutely yeah, and I yeah. mean we're, we're going to talk a great deal about resilience and mindset as well but that's just a phenomenal mindset change as well isn't it just being able to okay th this is you know my life now I need to look at this in a different way and you go into the sport path and not just do it a little bit you do it really well let's mm -hmm. just talk about you know how involved you've been competing internationally in the you know the GB team and whatnot how did that all come about Mm. So I, when I was in hospital, there's a charity called Backup, who I now work for, um, and they do various different services for people with spinal cord injuries. And one is kind of wheelchair uh, skills in the spinal units or in general hospitals, if, if there are people there with a spinal injury. And so quite early on, I was there and there was a, a team of volunteers running some wheelchair skills. So kind of how to push effectively, how to go up and down a curb, that sort of thing. I was like pretty early on and super unconfident in my wheelchair, like really. And also my injury level is kind of kind of high. So I don't really, okay. I mean, I, I, my hands are fine. I'm not tetraplegic, but I don't have any core. So, you know, doing a back wheel balance is, wasn't that easy then. And so I met, there was a lady there who introduced herself and she said she was a Paralympic skier and she was a paraplegic like me. And I was like, hello. <laughs> 
and yeah so I like I enjoyed skiing when I was younger I've always been you know liking going fast bit of adrenaline a bit of risk that sort of thing so I chatted to her about that and she was really excited that I was kind of keen and she said oh you've got to you've got to come on the course um the backup run and I was like yeah amazing so I did I went on that course literally a year after I got injured so it was pretty wow. pretty early days <laughs> but you know what I knew like I was struggling being out at home and I knew I needed that push yeah I needed you know my mum was being amazing and my friends for the most part were being amazing some of them it was difficult unsurprisingly to kind of deal with but I knew I needed something to kind of get my confidence because that was the thing I was really lacking even going outside you know by myself mm. you know out about in a wheelchair I did not want to go outside like right I didn't I felt like everyone was looking at me and just just massive lack of confidence so I knew I needed something like that to really push me you know push me forwards and give me that confidence boost so it was the perfect thing for me at that time but it was it was nerve-wracking I was I was scared before and it's the kind of thing you can't go with like friends or family you're going on a course there's other participants right um and it was to Colorado so it was quite a long way oh, to wow. go it was like the longest you know really long flight and stuff but yeah it was basically like going out to Colorado and and learning how to to sit ski okay um and there were people out there you know racers and just other people you know this is this resort that kind of has a has a school for like disabled or adaptive skiing. And it was just so eye-opening to see these other people, other paraplegics, you know, who were just like completely independent, flying down mountains and, and living their lives as well, mm. you know. And, and other participants on the course as well, you know, who were a bit further down the line than me, you know, who I, I was always before I, I, or initially I didn't, I had, I made friends in hospital, really, really good friends all kind of guys because it's more common for guys to get injured so there right. were there I was in hospital hanging out with a load of kind of older blokes <laughs> um, but when I got out of hospital I didn't really want to have friends who were in wheelchairs really I just right. I, I just I wanted my life kind of thing and you know nothing wrong with them but I just wanted kind of my my life back really but being on that course made me realize actually these people are kind of cool and mm. And it just, that changed everything. Like wow. this is, it's one of the pieces of advice I often give people now, you know, for any sort of situation, you know, if you find yourself in a situation like that or, or struggling with something particular, find other people who are in a similar situation. Because now, you know, some of my closest friends are also spinal cord injured and I have the most meaningful conversations of my life with them. And, you know, not only about, stuff that annoys us like access or people's reactions or whatever it might be but you know we have this kind of shared understanding about the world in a way and uh yeah they're not you've so bad yeah <laughs> do you know what you've just made me think about community actually and I talk a lot about this on the shows and whatnot the importance of having community around you with shared interests like-minded uh, just uh, support isn't it and we are we're a tribal species at heart and we need I mean we need our people we need connection yeah. that's the thing yeah totally so that's really marvelous so here you are bombing it down a ski slope by the way I've never skied before so you would literally wipe the floor with me <laughs> totally um and and then what happens beyond there yeah. you know yeah so so I I did that that was like 10 days and 
when I was out there, I remember really well thinking, I want to come back. I want to come back and do a season because it's difficult. You know, sit skiing mm. is difficult and it's difficult for someone with my level of injury. It's difficult for anyone. You know, you, you're kind of on one ski, you're, you know, kind of balancing. And, and I was newly injured as well. So, you know, you haven't figured stuff out so well with your body. You're not strong, all of this sort of stuff. So I was like, I want to come back and do like a season. This was just an, an idea back then. So I came back to London after that. Previously, I was working in events and I kind of made the decision like pretty early on that that wasn't going to work. I didn't want to do it now. It would be difficult being in a wheelchair doing it, all that sort of stuff and accessing sites or whatever. And teaching is something that I thought about for quite a long time. Like I, I, when I was younger, I, you know, I loved school. I was one of those sort of people, you know, and, but it was just a bit too early for me, to be honest to be doing that I was I needed to figure out how I was going to live with a spinal cord injury you know yeah um, and all the other things that kind of come alongside that so but you know being me and the determined you know stubborn person that I am I just carried on I, I continued until I'd finished it until I got the qualification so when I'd finally reached the end of the course I decided now is the time I want to get away, go do a season. And it was honestly the best thing I could have done at that point in my life. It was hard. You know, I was yeah. living on my own and, you know, I was living with my mum before and, you know, very well looked after and, you know, living out there without a car and not that accessible accommodation. It was fine. It wasn't like there were steps to get in, but it was just, you know, a little bathroom and all, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was what I needed to, to, take you know to to move myself and my mindset and everything and just my life forward you know that challenge yeah. and and that I kind of carry on you know if we talk about resilience that is what I really believe now is putting yourself in that position in in you know out of your comfort zone whatever it might be that is the thing that helps you grow and that's what helped move me forwards so yeah basically I spent a season skiing out there which I definitely needed I fell over all the time beginning just like so much so much falling over black eyes and all this sort of stuff but yeah after after a couple of months I was starting to get it and and yeah was was really enjoying it and then started kind of working with a race team a little bit out there after a few months and then towards the end there was the the British team the British paraski team were out there and the head coach was there training some of their kind of top athletes and he we were all kind of training together and he saw me going down a hill and um I was going fast <laughs> uh probably not particularly stylish but he could see that I was you know I was I was going fast and you know clearly clearly gunning for it so um he said yeah, come come train with us back in Europe. So that's where that kind of that whole whole started. So yeah, spent spent a few years training with them, going on training camps, stuff like that. And I mean, I'll say kind of how that that chapter ended because it sort of feeds in. I'm literally just telling, not not letting you ask any questions. But basically, yeah. So ski racing, it was a great experience. It was really you know very exciting and. You know, it was it was really really up a notch. It was challenging, and the camps were quite difficult a lot of the time. Not very accessible accommodation and stuff like that. And it did take a toll, kind of, on my head and and my yeah. sort of, you know, it's hugely pressurizing. And it's an individual sport. It's all on you, and you're freaking skiing. You know, you're, yeah. you if you mess up, game over, and you can injure yourself. And of which I did enough times. 
Um, so yeah, I I was I was doing that for a few years, and you know I feel so so blessed to have had that opportunity. And I spent like several not full seasons, but each time each winter I'd spend kind of three months or so out in Colorado. So you know Amazing. got to get good at skiing, which was awesome. But it was really it did take its toll, and I was just putting so much pressure on myself. And I was the last season I did, I was, I was not happy and I felt so guilty about it because I thought, you know, I'm living the dream. I'm in Colorado, you know, but I just wasn't happy. And especially in a sort of race setting or whatever, I would just, I would lose it. I wasn't kind of doing what I, I knew I could do. I just, yeah, it kind of lost my nerve a lot of the time. And there was, there was a race and kind of during, just beforehand, I went up, we do a, an inspection and just check out the course and stuff. And I remember coming back into the locker room and just freaking out and just having a panic attack and just really getting really, really upset. And I realized at, in that moment, like I had been trying to kind of emulate other people's journeys. Those people mm. that I saw out there initially that really inspired me. I thought, you know, I needed to follow them in order to sort of be where they're at and, and have that sort of acceptance and, and maybe that platform that I was I was kind of looking for, because I guess that was kind of part of the whole reason of wanting to go down that route and do the Paralympics and things. So I realised then and there, you know, that, that old quote about, you know, carve your own destiny. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, it was so, so true for me and that I didn't need to do that and actually... I could carve my own destiny and, you know, write my own story, which was such a liberating thing for me. So, yeah, finish that chapter. And, um, yeah. It's, you know, this so, I could literally, honestly, you mentioned about not asking questions because it's so rich. Everything you're saying is amazing. I could literally listen to you speak because there's so much in what you've just talked about and perhaps we can reflect back on authenticity isn't it it's about being ourselves the comparisonitis we see it on instagram all the time you know how we compare ourselves to folk but actually it's about living our our true selves but not only that you've just come through such amazing life story in terms of your change in your life and then you're figuring this out as well no i don't need to be just like somebody else i can path mm -hmm. my own way and then finding the confidence to do it how did what is that mindset change for you how did you start to find confidence how did you find that for yourself I would say fairly early on, well, actually, when I was doing my PGCE, I came across a book called Mindset, which you may have heard of, by Carol Dweck. Yes. Um, she's quite, quite well known. And um, it's just about a, a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And that was absolutely huge for me. And realizing that actually, you know, I could look at the events of my day. And when something went wrong, I had an accident, I fell out of my chair, you know, I came across someone who said something mean or, or whatever it might have been, maybe, maybe less some, some, said some, someone who said something mean, but, you know, whatever happened, I can actually, you know, view it in a different way and kind of think about, you know, actually, what can I learn from this? Or, you know, what, how can I kind of, how can this help me? And that sort of thing. And, and, you know, that, twinned with finding the good you know being grateful for what what is there and what you do have that was just absolutely huge and I think you know those early years were so so difficult and I think it's very very difficult you know to just kind of keep on plowing through you know when you're looking at things through a certain lens and I think it really really helped me 
to kind of reframe that stuff. And, you know, I became kind of, you know, just, just internally, I didn't mm. talk to anyone about it, but just, you know, I would kind of translate things and, you know, always think about, okay, you know, how can, how can I kind of, what can I learn from this? You know, what was good about this situation? And, and it became such a habit for me in terms of like the gratitude kind of thing. And I, I really, you know, I know it's a bit of a throwaway thing now, you know, with gratitude, hashtag gratitude and all that sort of stuff. But that was just so fundamental for me and, and still is now, you know, that's, you know, if I'm having a hard time or whatever, and I'm an incessant journaler every, every night, mm -hmm. I'll be, you know, particularly of the past couple of years, which has kind of, you know, been a really challenging time. It's just, you know, writing down, pointing out to my brain what, what there is to be grateful for. It's that, that is the, the biggest thing that helped me with my mindset I would say I, I hear you and I really yes gratitude for me is the absolute it's the cornerstone of how we can see things differently in our life and I again I find it incredibly inspiring how you position looking at your life and reflecting in a gratitude way because i I was left, I mean, it really landed so beautifully with me on your um, podcast chat that you had with Mo uh, Gowder. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. If anyone's not listened, they really, because you, you went on his show. Oh, how did it work? Did he come on yours first and then you went on his? Mm -hmm. Or was that? Well, actually, I think, I can't remember which way, where, which way around we did the, I think he interviewed me first, actually. And then I went on his. His, okay. Both incredible stories, absolutely beautiful. But what I what really I mean, it really landed so hard in my heart is you you talked about almost being grateful for what's gone on in your life and that's given you a different perspective. And that is I mean, that's you sit back and I'm kind of that's um, amazing and admirable that and, and I, you know, I'd like to think I consider we all go through different things in our life. But if you can actually see what you've learned from it and how you're growing that's a really powerful thing to take forward in life. And, and what does that mean for you when you look back and reflect that way? It means everything. It means everything. And I, I know now how vital, it's not just a, you know, a good way of looking at it, being grateful for it, actually how vital that is to use what you have been through actually to kind of support that growth and, and really to be kind of, I mean, that, that's where growth comes from, I think, mm. in many ways. is comes from, from pain and hardship and, you know, challenge. And the same with my injury, you know, fairly, fairly early on after a few years, I remember thinking, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's happened. And that was really because of the sort of the life I was living, partly, you know, the fact that I got away with, like, you know, skiing <laughs> and not working when all my friends were. So partly that, but also as time went on, just kind of, my attitude a little bit and I think that's sort of the idea of kind of having a second chance you know when when you kind of come close to death in a way mm. and you you do get that you know without kind of sounding morbid you do get that sort of that second chance but also most of all it's the the uh, perspective you know the perspective like something like that happening to you you see again the world through a different lens and you see the world in a different way and you get a new perspective, which I, it's a shame that people have to go, eh, they don't have to go through this to, to get that sort of perspective. But often that, that is the case. And that's, yeah, it is a shame, but I'm, I would rather have it than, than not and, and live a normal life, basically. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. It's so powerful, Sophie, so powerful. 
and it goes back to the gratitude aspect as well to actually be able to reflect and think about things in a grateful way just makes us look at things totally differently and bringing on the growth from the you know overcoming the adversity and and that aspect of it I had um Dr Andy Cope on my show well, it's probably whenever this airs, it's going to be months back. So, <laughs> but it was a, such a fabulous conversation. And he talks about the two percenters in the world who can, we're all living in exactly, you know, he was saying we're living in this pandemic. Everyone's going through the same thing, but the two percenters can reframe it and just think, okay, look, you know, I can get on, I'm grateful for what I've got. So let's, you know, let's see it in a positive light. And you definitely fit in the two percenters category. For sure, for sure. I, I think with the, Maybe it's the people that I've been speaking to, perhaps, but I, I feel like many more people have kind of got a, a new sense of perspective from the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of people that I've spoken to, they kind of are actually kind of grateful for it. They've been able to step back and, you know, evaluate what, what is important to them and how they want to spend their lives and things. I, I would say it's more than that. <laughs> but, so tell us a little bit about I want to make sure I get this right our adaptive world so this is your this is a, an account that you've generated with a friend of yours and you're yeah. basically living the life well yeah, yeah so so I have a really good friend called Beth um who is amazing she was injured the same year as me actually she's from Colorado and she was she's a snowboarder before her injury she she fell from a she was like jumping I don't know what you call it, but jumping like from a height into water. And she broke her back doing that. And she like started cross-country skiing. She wasn't able to do alpine skiing initially. You have to like wait a year. So as soon as she could, she was cross-country skiing, paraplegic like me. And she went to Sochi to the Paralympics, like literally no time after her injury. She's just incredible. And she's also like the kindest just nicest person ever so we when when she stopped racing we were racing around the same sort of time which was amazing it's so good to have you know like a, a friend like that on on the on the circuit with you um and she finished a little bit earlier than me um and as I was sort of deciding to come to an end we were kind of we were having margaritas and tacos in this little town called Winter Park, which is where the adaptive skiing happens. And we were thinking what we really loved in our lives and what we enjoyed the most. Perhaps it was the, the margaritas or something, but we were thinking, you know, it's travel, it's like seeing the world. And I'd been so fortunate as had she, you know, to be able to travel, you know, and it's a big thing for, you know, people with disabilities, travel is often not really an option. People don't really talk about it. People, you know, are afraid to, or they don't know how it's possible and things. Um, and so we wanted to sort of, you know, get the message out to the world that it's it's possible. And we were also both kind of, you know, we like taking risks and, you know, pushing pushing the, the boundaries a little bit. And so, yeah, we basically created a blog um, where we kind of put out like information about how to how to travel and you know advice around that and you know trips that we'd done or we were doing and things and yeah an Instagram account basically which was kind of just like us any excuse to like go and do something crazy we'd go do it so really kind of put it out there which is great like such good engagement from it which is awesome that's absolutely brilliant I love it I love it um, tell folk about a Life Less Ordinary is an absolutely incredible podcast. And I know so you've done two seasons so far. You've had absolutely amazing guests on. You host it so fabulously. The conversation is so rich. It's beautiful. It's engaging. Really, really great episodes. 
you, so two seasons down, we were just talking before we came on to record this, that potentially there's going to be another one coming up. Tell folk what it's all about, where it came from and, and, you, and what it is that you've tried to do with it. Oh, thank you, Natalie. Thank you. So the idea came around for the podcast was while I was on the ski circuit. Um, you know, it's an amazing place to be you know, the ski circuit. So you're in Austria, you're at the bottom of a mountain and there are people from all over the world. You know, some of them are Paralympic champions, but there are a lot of people who aren't, who are athletes, you know, they're training as well. Um, you know, there's a, a blind skier from Chile. There's an amputee from Japan and everyone there has an amazing story. And it's, it's just, you know, I love people. I always have done. I love people's stories and, and I just remember kind of being being at one of these camps and just thinking it's it's crazy that I'm hearing all these amazing stories because I'm kind of like I'm a bit of a I don't know I guess a journalist at heart I'm I'm always asking questions and you know finding out about people and I'm wanting to know more about about them and you know their lives and stuff like that and I just remember thinking it's ridiculous like that no one hears these stories it's just like me I'm hearing mm. about these incredible people who've overcome you know and there are some amazing stories you know people who've just overcome the greatest odds and stuff like that. And I, I, you know, flying down a mountain, skiing for their country and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, really incredible. And so there was one person in particular um, who was actually the first guest on my podcast. It's a girl called Alexandra, who's a very good friend of mine now. And she's amazing. She's she's deafblind and she has some other sort of uh, health conditions and she yeah she's um she's not been well over the past couple of years which is really tough but she's got an amazing instagram account just yeah she's incredible but basically if she was out there skiing as well you know deaf and blind and mm. she liked to ski fast and really wow. skillfully as well like she was amazing and it was actually her that just kind of made me think you know and we were having a really really long conversation I forgot to say she's a medical student she's training to be a doctor as well and yeah she's just an extraordinary human being like that's no exaggeration she's the most extraordinary like talented as well she can literally do everything like she's an amazing artist like she's writing a written a book hopefully it's going to be published soon but she's the most beautiful writer anyway um you get you get the idea (laughs) I love it yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) like really really incredible and you know it's stories like that I was like this story has to be told you know it's not the stuff that she's done it's it's just you know it's her attitude about it and you know what she can share with other people which is so huge so yeah it was it was probably her that inspired it really um so she was the first guest on the first series and yeah it was really it was really I wanted to get those stories out to to more people so yeah with the podcast it's really you know there's a a few people you know with disabilities but you know really it's all about people who have overcome some sort of challenge in their life whether that is discrimination or poverty, or disability, or, you know, all sorts of things. And, you know, there are so many things. And I think partly where the idea came from was that I love uh, Desert Island Discs. You know, I I really binged that, you know, when I was skiing, like I had a lot of long car journeys, like up and down to the ski slopes. So I would like binge all the old, old episodes of that. And something that came up for me was that so many of these people who'd like found huge success had had, you know, some challenges, you know, some really big challenges a lot of the time, either in their childhood or along, you know, the course of their journey. And it just, yeah, really kind of got me thinking. So, you know, it, it's 
there are many, many people out there, you know, that that have, you know, faced faced challenges or you know, often huge challenges and and found you know success or, or or whatever it might be as a result of that a lot of the time you know whether it's kind of pain and they've you know found huge growth from that or, or whatever it might be so yeah the, the idea with it is really yeah people interview people who've overcome sort of some some challenge or whatever in their life and for them to kind of share advice for for people listening and and so often you know I think Anne, you know this we're all more similar than than we realize yeah. you know and and someone like Alexandra, you know, her circumstances are, are pretty extreme, but actually the advice that she has, you know, and, and the lessons that she's learned is relatable for anyone, you know, it's yeah. not exclusive at all. And yeah, I think, so it's kind of bridging that gap a little bit and um, yeah, that's it really. You know, so much of that really resonates with me and so much of it is wonderful in terms of getting people to connect, getting people to understand about each other a bit more that you would ordinarily might not necessarily engage with. But actually, to your point, we're all the same. We might have a different outer look. We might have a few more challenges in terms of how we approach things. But ultimately, we've really kind of got the same core drivers. Mm. Most of it, mm. we just want to be loved. We want to get by. We want to do well in the world. Mm. And we're actually, you know, we want to support and have community. And bringing people's stories to the table so people can really identify and not just take a judgment on looks or what you perceive to be going on or what you might assume based on a narrative that you've had growing up or whatever is really important. When we can really understand each other, when we can really have good open conversations and when you can, you know, look into somebody's eyes and see them, you know, and hear them and feel them. It's quite magic. So I love what you're doing. And it is just about bringing people's stories to the table because everybody has got something to say and mm. that everybody will inspire at least one, if not hundreds of people with their story, much like you'll be doing with, this, with your story now on here. It's really fab, really fab. I love it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I feel like the luckiest person in the world when I get to speak to those people. Honestly, like, yeah both both series so far you know I've come to the end of some of those conversations as, as I'm sure you have with some of your amazing conversations that I've listened to on your podcast like and I'm just thinking I am like having these conversations they're being recorded and I'm I have learned so much like yeah. the advice that that each of them share are things that I carry with me you know like really really important fundamental things like one of one of the examples that I'll refer back to sometimes is the idea of taking responsibility and that was you know really for uh, for one of my guests who had a spinal cord injury you know that there, there are a few of them, not, not all disabilities by any means, but that was, that was her advice is kind of about taking responsibility for yourself. And that was just huge because it's the same for everyone. You know, mm. you cannot, so many of us, myself included, wait for things to happen to us, for us, opportunities to prevent, present themselves. Or, and I love the, the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. You know? I, it's really it speaks to me that because I think you know maybe maybe it's the way we're raised or the, the way that society works is is that things happen and that was what I was doing when I was younger I was kind of waiting for that opportunity yeah but kind of doing the podcast it was like I'm just gonna do it you know go and, after it yeah yeah 
It is. It's about seizing the opportunities. It's, you know, going after them. We can do anything we want to. It's a mindset change. It's exactly what we've spoken about on here. You need to be resilient. You need to have that community to help you support you be resilient. And you just need to believe in yourself. Confidence. We build it up as we keep trying to do things. But just go for it and know that, you know, there's no failure. It's literally about learning, reflecting on the experience what went well, okay, what do I need to move forward with? And not berating ourselves too much for everything that we're, we're walking through or whatever we're trying, because we're learning much like a, an infant and a baby starts to try to walk. You know, they don't get annoyed at themselves when they fall over. All right, let's get back and, you know, carry on again. Mm. Um, it might hurt me a bit more now or all of us as we, you know, we get age off, we'd knock ourselves and whatnot, you know, perhaps down a slope and whatnot. But, um, oh, do you know, it's such a rich, beautiful conversation. Thank you so, so, so much. And on advice, everybody who's been listening to this will no doubt be entirely inspired by your story, your get up and go and how you've approached the world. What would you say to somebody if they're feeling a bit stuck at the moment, if they haven't been inspired already, just to kind of, you know, help themselves get unstuck? What can they do to just push themselves forward? So, I mean... I'm very much the sort of person, you know, I believe in about getting out of your comfort zone and things like that. And that's all very well. But if you're in that situation where you can't see those opportunities and you don't want to physically get out of your comfort zone, you know, I mean, I think, I think find the ways that you, you can, they don't have to look like skiing down a mountain, you know, they can be taking an opportunity facilitating a zoom meeting or something like that you know and that getting out of your comfort zone you know if you're a little bit nervous about it or whatever you know once you've done it you will feel that feeling of sort of satisfaction and and moving forwards but it's 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 not always that easy if you're feeling stuck you know that that idea of kind of stagnation is a really tricky situation to be in it's not it's not easy I think it probably goes back to, you know, actually kind of looking at, at life and looking at, at what you do have and, and writing, writing that down. It's focusing on on that good stuff and the potential that's there. You know, yeah. I think potential is a really important thing, especially when things are looking a bit dark, is actually thinking of what could be and what the future might look like and that this is not the end kind of thing um, is. Yeah, just just focusing yeah. on the on the, the good stuff that you have writing it down and, and looking at that and seeking those opportunities in whatever form they they might come in you know so your your comfort zone might look very different to someone else's yeah. and whatever you know and and put yourself give yourself a, a pat on the back you know whatever your comfort zone might look like it, it don't compare yourself to you know people who are and it's difficult because I'm the worst at comparing myself, especially when 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 I'm feeling a low or tired. That's or whatever, the time I'm, it creeps I'm really, in, hey? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So look after yourself, like, and that's such a throwaway term, but really, it's been a huge thing for me this year in lockdown and stuff like that, post breakup, all that sort of. This is like three bits of advice I'm giving. You carry on. So it's brilliant. You made me think of a few things. <laughs> yeah, the the looking after yourself. If you're in that sort of not great situation, really, really take responsibility and take care. 
get enough sleep, try and eat well, get an early bed, try and get some fresh air, be easy on yourself, be kind to yourself, write down all these bad thoughts, things like that. Number one, take care of yourself and then find those ways of stepping out of your comfort zone, whatever they might look like. Don't push yourself, you know, in a direction you don't want to be in, but find that, find that comfort zone, try and step out of it. Love it. Absolutely love it. The things I thought there the writing is really powerful and actually just wild write just go with it maybe even ask yourself a question give yourself a prompt if there is a challenge think about the question and then don't filter don't even read what you're writing just write Mm. and give yourself like five minutes or so or even 10 minutes put a clock on so just go for it and celebrate success exactly what you just said celebrate you know it can be the smallest thing so my son my youngest son he's seven years old and he doesn't like anything restrictive around his neck he gets really really weirded out about it so we haven't been he's now wearing a tie to school so we haven't been doing his top button up but the last few days we have been and he kind of put his head up this morning let me do his button up and I said to him do you know what you should be so proud of yourself because you weren't doing this a week ago this is amazing well done you and then he turns around and says okay can I have a party then please (laughs) (laughs) I was like do you know what yes because let's celebrate it it's really fantastic and that's what we forget to do with ourselves you know celebrate when you do something yeah definitely when I was skiing like I would be talking down to myself a lot you know that negative self-talk my coach would sort of say like be nice to yourself you know there's there's this this coach that came kind of later on in my inverted commas career um and she was so great at supporting with that and I was just doing myself down focusing on all the bad stuff and it was not you know, I was putting the training in, I was fine on the practice hill. Then in the race, I was just talking down to myself so much. And the impact that has is just huge. So yeah, we all need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Love it. Absolutely love it. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, or if they want to listen to your podcast, how do they go about getting in contact? And is your podcast everywhere? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Podcast is everywhere. It's called A Life Less Ordinary with Sophie Elwes. So check that out. Um, Definitely best place is probably instagram to to get in touch um so yeah this has been absolutely beautiful thank you so much for joining me sophie and i'm so pleased we did this awesome me too i've loved this i feel a sort of boost of inspiration having talked to you so thank you brilliant brilliant and thanks everyone for listening take care look after yourself keep well you have been listening to seize the day with natalie miller snell if you've enjoyed this show, please head over to seizetheday.simplecast.com for all of my other shows. If you're interested to hear more about coaching, please visit nmscoaching.co.uk. If you'd like to chew the fat over some of the topics in these podcasts, please come and join me at my Facebook group, Dare to Be You. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. <laughs>